You don't have to turn there. But 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, you don't have to turn there. But 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God saw you where you were at and said, I love them so much that I'm willing to die for them and bring them to a place like Atlanta West where they can grow as a disciple. They can find a ministry. They can have a place for them because I love them. But God isn't willing that any should perish. He doesn't just love you and me. That's why there's verses like 1 Peter 2, 9 where it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16 says, you are the light of the world. Someone say, I am the light. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Mark 15, 16 says, and Jesus told his disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and to every creature. Now the words tell everybody that there is a God that loves them and that there is a place for them in the body of Christ. I love being able to worship God because he saved me. We never need to lose that. But then at the same time, I have to realize that it's not just about me, but that there's a lost and dying world out there and God is telling me that I'm a light, that I am salt, that it's my job that none should perish, that all should come to repentance, that I have to share the gospel. So with that thought in mind, I'll, I'll reserve my main scripture for a little bit later. But I want to preach from the subject, where your purpose. Someone look to your neighbor and say, where your purpose. Can we just close our eyes right now and pray before we're seated? Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity to come into this place and worship. I pray that you'll anoint this word, minister in me and through me, and help us all to have such a deep desire, such a deep burden, an overwhelming sensation that we have to go and save the world. We give you the glory, honor, and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm so excited to be back at 9 a.m. service. 9 a.m. service is the place to be. I know it's early, but I love people who sacrifice early in the morning and come to church to be able to worship at 9 a.m. Sorry I've been missing the last few weeks. I've been at Welcome to the Family, taught by Brother Calvin and Brother Jury. Great classes. If you have not taken them, you need to take them. I went to four years in Bible college, but I still learned stuff. I still felt closer to God after the classes. So you need to join Welcome to the Family. It starts once again next Sunday at 9.30 a.m., It's a four-class series. If you've missed a week, then you can just take up the next month and the next time that they're set. The sign-up is at the kiosk in the foyer right at the welcome desk, and there's also online resources where you can sign up. Make sure you take welcome to the family. It will do you, your family, your children. It will do you justice to grow closer to God by taking welcome to the family. But I'm excited to be at 9 a.m. service. I also want to thank my pastor, Brother Daryl Johns, and the ministry board in this church for having me. You have shown so much love and compassion for me. I appreciate it so much. It's, I'm humbled by the love of this family. But I'm not satisfied with the people I see here. I'm not satisfied with this family. I want, I want more family. I'm not just talking about all the children that we're having. We're baby boomers right now. Had about 10 in the last week. But I'm talking about I want to see more people. I want to see friends and family come back to God. And I want to see friends and family that has never experienced Jesus come in here 
raise their hands at an altar, weep tears, be filled with the spirit, be baptized in Jesus' name and find a place for them in the ministry. I want to see other people. I want to see our friends and families, our neighbors. I want to see the neighborhoods surrounding Atlanta West come to Atlanta West as a beacon of hope, as a lighthouse, and say that I have found Jesus. I am changed. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was broken, but now I'm whole. And it's our job to do it. It's our job to grow the family. The way we're going to grow the family is to wear our purpose. Because the devil knows the only way to stop the message is to stop the messenger. The only way to stop the ministry is to stop the minister. So he puts situations in our life that makes us selfish and bitter and lazy and, oh, that's, that's really not for me. That's the pastor's job. That's someone else's job. The ministry finder gets passed around and Brother Jury preaches a great message that every gift is necessary. It's indispensable. And we just say, oh, he's, he's really not talking about me. The devil causes us not to wear our purpose, which stops the gospel going forward. It's the mission of every Christian to be Christ-like and reach this world. But in order for that to happen, we have to wear our purpose. Someone say, wear your purpose. People are spiritually dying every single day, and God has tasked us to love them and to reach out to them. But we have to wear our purpose. Ephesians 6 Verses 10 through 18 contains the armor of God. It's a cool passage where there's all these different parts of armor that Jesus is saying you need to wear every single day. There's a breastplate of righteousness where you're supposed to protect your heart with what is right. There's a helmet of salvation. You're supposed to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. There should be no doubt there. There's the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. There's the shield of faith. You should be protected. When you don't feel like you have the answers, you should be protected by your faith in Jesus Christ. There's the belt of truth, which means the strongest part of your body, your core, is protected with truth. We need to be grounded and firm on truth. But my first Wednesday here, I was evangelizing a few months back, and I was traveling, and that Wednesday I didn't have a place to preach, and I was like, man, I want to go visit Atlanta West. That's the place to be. Like, it's Atlanta West. I love Atlanta West. So I came. And I was in, we just got done working, Brother Joel, Brother Michael Patterson and I at the field. And so I came here and I got cleaned up. And as I was getting dressed, I was like, are you serious? I was like, my tie's here. My suit jacket's here. My shirt's here. And I looked down. And I had no shoes. (laughs) Who wears this size at this church that could lend me a pair of shoes? So I'm like, man, Brother John's, no, never mind. <laughs> Brother Joel, never mind. Brother, man, nobody here has shoes big enough. And so I finally find somebody that goes in their old closet and just blows off the dust and digs out all the clothes, and they find their big brother's shoes. And so I'm like, all right, that will do. So I get them, and they are way too big for me. <laughs> Two sizes too big. Not only that, then Corbin he asked me, he says, hey, Brother John's is going to be doing an interview, so we're going to move the pulpit. Can you grab the water and move it? So I'm like, yeah, I got that. I can do that. That's the easy job. I love serving. And so I get up to come up here, and I'm like, click clop, click clop, click clop. I feel like a platypus or a duck or something trying to walk and not be embarrassed. It's, just, it's Atlanta West. I don't want to be embarrassed. Then I get up here, and Brother John's grabs his own water. So I'm just like, click clop, click clop. I just walk out like, that's embarrassing. You don't want to forget your shoes. You got every day, no one just walks out the house. You might forget your watch, you might forget your keys, you might lose your phone, but no one loses their shoes. No one just says, oh, I forgot to wear shoes today, boss. I'm not going to show up to staff meeting on Tuesday without shoes. I just don't think I'm going to do that. 
you don't forget your shoes. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, says, In your feet, or as for your shoes, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, your shoes should be gospel shoes. Someone say gospel shoes. We must wear our gospel shoes each and every day because there are two very important days in all of our lives. It's the day we were born and the day we find out why. The day you were born and the day you find out why. So today I'm going to tell you why you were born. You were born to be a light to this lost and dying world. You were born to be a city that's set upon a hill that cannot be hid. You were born to be salt to this world. You were born to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature, to go to the highways and the byways and say, hey, there is a place for you. Jesus has saved me and he can save you. Jesus has brought me a mighty long way and he can do it for you. But you got to wear your purpose every single day. If we're going to grow Atlanta West, if we're going to grow this family, we have to wear our purpose. See, what is your purpose? Your purpose is what you put on every single day. For instance, you know, when, when you're going certain places, you know what you want to wear. It's always dangerous when I have a suitcase. Just remember that. What, what are these for? Football, soccer, baseball, some kind of field exercise, right? So when I wear my purpose, when I put these on, my purpose is then to go and play some kind of sport where I need to wear cleats. Flip-flops, this is a very important purpose for all you young people that go to camp. You won't have feet to wear shoes if you don't wear this purpose. Shower shoes, you got to wear this purpose. My basketball shoes, when I put these on, what do you think I'm going to do? Play back, dunk, exactly, I'm going to play basketball. So why, as children of God, do we wake up in the morning, we go to work, we go to our jobs, And we don't put on our purpose. Why do we go throughout the world and we see lost and dying people, people who are hurting and broken, and we just say, that's not my job? Why do we go to church and we're just satisfied with these four walls and the people that we see every day and we're not reaching out more? Why are we not getting more involved? Why are we not showing up to hope ministry and doing all kind of ministries and personally reaching out people? Why is it when one of the ministers say, hey, everybody take two, we say, I might take one. And I might not even give that out. I might just leave it on the table instead of actually building a relationship with a waiter or waitress and inviting them and showing the love of God and being a light. It's because we don't wear a purpose. In other words, it'd be as goofy as saying, you know what, I'm going to play basketball with these. It'd be as goofy as saying, I'm going to go, let me get down before I break my neck. I'm going to go ice skating with these. How goofy would you think if a guy goes out in cowboy boots and goes ice skating? How obnoxious do you think the person is that shows up to church that's not preaching in skates? You would be like, man, that guy's crazy. What is he doing? I know at junior camp, some of the kids wear cleats to church. That's because they don't know any better, but we're adults here. It's crazy to wear a shoe that doesn't fit the occasion. You don't show up to church, ladies, with like tennis shoes on. You wear heels and your stilettos and your pumps, right? So why is it when we go into a lost and dying world, we don't wear our gospel shoes? Why why is it when we go to work or when we go to a restaurant, we put on the shoes of, I got other things to do. I got my schedule to fulfill. I I really can't fulfill the gospel. I can't wear my gospel shoes. I'll wear the rest of the arm of God. But as far as sharing the gospel, that's for somebody else. See, these shoes are very important to me. These are my converse. 
When I first started ministry, I was a children's pastor at my old church, and I used to wear these every week. I'd be the first one there, and I was setting up the children's room. I'd be the last one there. These were my gospel shoes. I, I knew when I put these on that I'm supposed to preach to the kids and give it all I have. That's not reserved just behind the pulpit, but that's each and every day. We must wear our purpose. Brother Johns, would you please stand up? I'm not going to put these on them. Don't get any imagination. I'm not that crazy. Would you scream out a place for you? A place for you. Brother Brad, would you, would you stand up? Scream out a place for you. A place for you. All right, do it together real quick. A place for you. Stand up, Brother Joel. Scream it. A place for you. Brother Scott, stand up and scream it. How effective do you think this church will be if just four or five men or women are screaming out, there's a place for you? We believe that Jesus died for our sins and we're selfish with it. We say, oh, I love to experience. I'll come up here and worship. But yet we go out to the lost and dying world and we act like we don't know Jesus anymore. And we leave it for people like Pastor John's to scream out and waste his voice and to strain his voice, screaming out, there's a place for you. There's a place for you. And the world can't hear just one man, but it's going to take a concerted effort. It's going to take everybody to scream out that there is a place for you. At Atlanta West, there's a place where you can be saved. At Atlanta West, your families can be put back together. At Atlanta West, your marriages can be put back together. At Atlanta West, you can find healing and restoration. Can we all stand up and scream out, there is a place for you. Scream out, there is a place for you. We got to go out and wear our gospel shoes. Go out to a lost and dying world and scream out that there is a place for you. God, help us to have a burden. There's a place for them. You may be seated. I can't do it by myself. As much energy as I have, as much as I'm going to be involved, I can't do it by myself. But it's going to take everybody in Atlanta West if we're going to grow this family, if we're going to have revival, if we're going to be a lighthouse to this city, we all have to scream. There is a place for you. We have to wear our gospel shoes. That means at times when it doesn't feel good, I hate getting up early. I love, I'm a night bird. I'm a night owl. But I got up early yesterday to go to Hope Ministry because I wanted to tell those people there's a place for them. There's a place for them. Oh, Well, some of them people stink. I bet the blood of Jesus Christ stunk when he was bleeding on the cross. That old person at the nursing home, they just don't understand. They really don't care. No, there's a place for them. That lost boy, that next door neighbor, that family member that just doesn't care about church. There's a place for you. I remember where I was. I remember how broken and destroyed I was. I remember I was going nowhere very fast. But someone looked at me and said, DJ, there is a place for you. And look at where I'm at now. Who's going to go and get the next DJ? Who's going to go out and get a neighborhood kid? Who's going to get a family member and bring them to church and tell them that there is a place for them? That they don't have to stay where they're at. They don't have to stay hopeless. They don't have to stay broken. But there is a place for them. And it's Atlanta West. And the only way that's going to happen is if we wear our purpose. Each and every day we got to wear our purpose. Each and every day. We have to wear our purpose. We've got to have on our gospel shoes. Someone say gospel shoes. Not just for the pastors, but it's for everybody. I'm going to tell three stories about three different people. And it's not to bring glory to me, but it's to show you that if you wear your gospel shoes, God will do amazing things in your life, just like he's done in mine. He's no respecter of persons. First, this is this lady at the post office. I'm sitting there. We're getting ready for a block party at Urshan College. And 
you know, I'm at the post office, I'm mailing stuff, and I got stuff to do, and I'm sitting there, I'm always goofy. If you don't know me, I sing all the time. I don't sound good. That's not my gifting, but, you know, God's working on us. Hopefully, I get that in heaven. But I'm at the post office, and I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, who? And this lady's just, like, giggling, and I'm like, hey, how you doing, ma'am? And she's like, what is different about you? I'm like, what do you mean? She said, there's just, it's not just your smile, but, like, you have just, like, a glow about you. What's different about you? Like, what are you, what are you doing? I was like, well, ma'am. You know, I go to Gateway College of Evangelism, and I'm, I'm in ministry, and I just, I love God. I know what he's done for me, and I know he can do the same for anybody. I just, I love life. Why as Christians do we have the sad puppy face? Well, Jesus loves me. Why are we like that? I'm excited about living for God. Living for God is fun. It's an adventure. I get to be a part of God's body. That's awesome. And so I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm excited about it. And I tell her, why don't you come to the block party? I was like, you know, you, if you have any kids or grandkids or anything, bring them to the block party. So like two weeks later, we're at the block party. And I'm sitting there goofing off. I'm getting cotton candy out and snow cones. And I'm jumping on the bounce house and playing volleyball. I'm running around just trying to like do everything and just have fun and just be a people person. And I look down the road at the end of our parking lot. And this lady is walking with her grandson. I'm like, that's, that's her. I don't even remember her name because I didn't get it, but that's her. And so I go up and I hug her neck and I'm like, what's up, little man? We're like high-fiving and I'm like, come get you some cotton candy. I get them all loaded up on sugar. (laughs) And the block party was over. We cleaned up. I was exhausted and I didn't think anything of it. I gave all the contacts to the sanctuary, the church I was attending at the time. And, you know, they called and did guest follow-up and started Bible studies. It was great. But I forgot all about that, that situation. I forgot about meeting her really. And the next thing I know, I'm at, I'm at church and service is almost over and, you know, people are starting to leave the altar and stuff. And then I, I look over to the baptistry and Brother Scott Graham is up there. He's talking about baptizing somebody. And I, I'm like looking because it's up high and it's in the, I'm in the back and all of a sudden I see that lady from the post office. Brother, Brother Graham says, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. She comes out the water worshiping. And I was like, God, that's awesome. But it wasn't just that. Then she got up out the water. And then what I learned later is there was a young lady that came in after her. That was her daughter. I baptized you in Jesus' name. And then she came up. And then that young lady walked out. Then I remember the little kid that I loaded up with cotton candy. He went down into the baptistry, and they baptized him in Jesus' name. Three generations were baptized in Jesus' name. Three generations' sins were washed away. Three people are on their way to heaven. They're in that process all because I wore my purpose. I could have been at the post office saying, I got mail to do. I got other things to do. I should have the sad dog face. But no, I said, I am the light to the world. I'm supposed to be happy. I got on my gospel shoes. I'm wearing my purpose. When I woke up that day, I didn't say, oh, I got other things to worry about. When I woke up that day, I said, I got to put on my gospel shoes. As for your shoes... Let there be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This next guy, Ryan. Ryan was a cool guy. I was at Dallas First Church, and we was door knocking, and we just invited people to church, and I got to this guy's door, and I said, hey, I'm from Dallas First Church. My name is DJ Hill. We have awesome youth events. We're having, like, all these parties and services. We just want you to come out. And he's just like, whatever, and close the door. And I'm like, bruh, I'll kick that junk down. Be glad I'm saved. So I didn't think nothing of it. So, you know, we went back and we started to talk a little bit. And Ryan, at the time, was 13 years old, dropped out of school. As you can see, chains. He was smoking. 
getting in fights and in and out of jail. 13 years old. Knocked on that door, and there's this kid cussing, bad mouth. I could have been like, man, he doesn't want Jesus. He don't care about anything I have to say. What do we have in common? I'm 24. He's 13. What, what do we have in common? He's just a kid that doesn't care about anything. But instead, I started to pour into Ryan. I started to pick him up and take him to church with me every day when I prayed. And then when I went and did Bible studies and stuff, I brought him with me. I probably got half as much done as what I probably could have done because he was constantly pulling on me saying, hey, let's talk about this. Let's go here. Let's, what about this? And I'm like, I can't pay attention. And sometimes, frankly, he was very annoying. But I wore my purpose. I realized that this is a soul. And Jesus is not willing that any should perish. And it's my job to be light to this world. It's my job to wear my gospel shoes. And so I started bringing them around more and more. And at that time, I'd go in the sanctuary and I'd pray. And I'd always walk around the sanctuary. My hands exact same way, the same laps. I'd walk the same pews and I'd pray. And he would just be sitting there watching me, just looking at me for weeks. Then there came a time where I'm rounding the back and I look up because I'm looking for him. And I see Ryan. I see Ryan with his hands just like mine. I see Ryan saying the same words. I say word for word. I love you, Jesus. I need you in my life. Thank you for loving me and dying for me. I saw Ryan, this little kid who everyone else would give up on, who's in drugs, in and out of jail, fighting a bad mouth. One day Ryan called me and I couldn't pick up because I was at church. Listen to the voicemail later. And Ryan, it's a voicemail of his dad beating him. You can hear it. His dad's cussing him out, saying, that church don't even like you. You're just a number to that church. Saying, you're worthless. But I found Ryan. I hugged him, and I loved him. Sometimes he was annoying. Yes, we're different. Yes, we don't look the same. We don't have much in common, but I had my gospel shoes on. And you know what? Instead of me preaching at the nursing home every week, I have videos on my phone and on my iPad of that little kid, Ryan, Back in school, no more chains, and he's at the nursing home telling those old people, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. It's all because I wore my purpose. It doesn't matter what they look like, if they're young or old, if they're black or white, if they're male or female, there is a place for them in the body of Christ, and we have to scream it. We have to live it every single day. When we wake up, when we go to sleep, wherever we go, we have to have the mindset, there is a place for people, and I have to wear my purpose each and every day. Don't go out into this lost and dying world wearing roller skates. Don't go out to your job Wearing ice skates. Ladies, don't show up to softball with high heels. Just as as crazy as that is, that's what God thinks when we don't wear our purpose. My last story is Don McFarlane. Don McFarlane was a cool guy. I was on my way to go play basketball, but before I had to cut a yard for my teacher. I'm on my way to go cut this yard for my teacher, and I see this old guy. He's with clippers, and he's pruning his bushes, and all of a sudden, one of them sharp branches poke him, and he drops it. I'm driving. I'm like, man, that, that's bad, you know. That, I wish someone would help him. And I get like three houses down, and all of a sudden, I feel bad. And I felt led to go back and turn around. So I turned around. I whipped into his driveway. I jumped out, and I finished his yard. I bag it all up, throw it all away. And then I go on to Brother Little's house to cut his grass. I missed basketball that night. Man, the team needed me, Brother Johns. I'm DJ Hill. Let me get them shoes back out. They needed me. 
I didn't have time to help this old guy. Who is he to me? He's just a guy on the side of the road. Why should I stop my life and help him? But instead, I wore my purpose that day. And I said, Don, can I meet with you once a week? Can I just come over and hang out with you once a week? So that next week, I came by, and I started to talk to him, and I learned a lot about Don. He has the falling foot disease. In other words, his ankle bone doesn't fit right, and so his feet literally just flop down, and he cannot stand. He hasn't been able to stand since he was a sophomore in high school. He has no relatives. He hasn't got married because he doesn't want his kids to have this disease. So the only person he sees every week was a nurse that came by, clean his house, and make sure he has food. And so I stopped by, and I'm talking to him. He says, DJ, I was raised Catholic, but then when I got this disease, I stopped believing in God because I couldn't understand why me. I stopped believing in God. I said, well, that's unfortunate. I just want to let you know God loves you. And he says, you know what? I never believed in God, but when you stopped and helped me, I felt something that I've never felt before. I guess you would call it the spirit, DJ. He said, because what you don't realize is all these people call themselves Christians. But he said, one day I was cutting the grass on my riding lawnmower after I pulled myself up and the battery died in the middle of my yard. In the summer, the heat's beaming down on my face and the battery dies. Nobody stopped. I had to wait over an hour for my, my neighbor to come home, my friend to come home, and he saw me. He said, what you don't realize, DJ, is when it ices in St. Louis, I went and got the newspaper one time and the wheelchair slipped and it fell on top of me and people literally walked by. Left me there. But DJ, not you. What was the difference in Don's life? Because I wore my purpose. And even the day I FaceTime Don, even the day I'll call Don from time to time and I'll just check up on him. When I fly to St. Louis, I'll go and just talk to him. How are you doing, Don? Some of the young people at Urshan are actually teaching him Bible studies. It's all because I wore my purpose. It's all because it's not that I have anything special. It's not that I have a special gifting. It's not because my age, my color, it's not my parents. All it is is I realized that outside of these four walls, it feels great in here. It feels like family in here. I feel the presence of God in here. But outside of these four walls, there's Don's. There's Ryan's. There's ladies' names that I don't even know. God's depending on me. He's depending on you, Elaine to wear your purpose. We can't be satisfied with our family now, but we got to wear our purpose. Can you all close your eyes with me? German man that lived during the Holocaust told a story of when he went to church by the railroad tracks. On Sunday mornings, the church members could hear a whistle from a distance and the cackling of wheels moving over the track. This train tracked by the church. And during the Holocaust, The church became disturbed because they started to notice the cries coming from the train passing by. This guy remembers vividly their screams and described the Jews as cattle in carts. Their parents separated from children. Brothers separated from sisters. Friends separated from friends. Husbands separated from wives. The train gets closer and the screams get louder. What could this church have done? They surely couldn't have stopped the train. They couldn't stop the senseless killing of Jews, right? So instead of speaking out against it, instead of trying to make a difference, they would just sing louder. 
The closer the train came, the louder the screams would be, and they would just sing louder. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. The train would come closer and get louder and louder, but they would just continue to turn up their voices because they didn't want to realize people are dying all around them. The church chose to ignore on, ignore what was going on around them. As the train got louder and louder, as it was passing by and people are screaming, people are literally on the way to their death, they would sing louder and louder. Hear the train moving, people on their way to their death coming. People all around Atlanta West, every neighborhood, every school, no matter what they look like, they're on that train. They're not on their way to heaven. Listen to it. Think about your friend and family right now. Think about that coworker. Some music starts to play. That train would pass by. The church just sang louder louder. What's sad about that story is that church ignored what was going on there on the outside because they were so focused on the inside. Atlanta West, Pastor John's with tears telling me when he hired me to come, he's hungry for revival. His heartbeat is that there is a place for you, for everybody, because God died for everyone. Are we going to let that train go by and just sing louder? Are we going to just turn up the noise in our own life and ignore the people going to hell? Or are we going to wear our purpose and go and find a Don? Are we going to go and find a Ryan? As we all stand. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You don't even know how to quote Acts 2.38 all the way. But what I'm saying is wear your purpose. Love someone. Reach out to someone. Get involved. Find a ministry. Go out to this lost and dying world. Don't just stay in these four walls. But there's a car driving by who's going to tell them there's a place for them. There's waiters and waitresses that go home and are contemplating suicide. Who's going to tell them there's a place for you. There's our family members whose hearts are broken, who are battling things in their mind. Who's going to tell them that there's a place for them? Can we all just pray right now? God, right now I'm praying that you'll pour out such a burden, such a desire to love and to reach out to souls that we don't become satisfied with what's going on in these four walls. God, let us be eternally mindsetted that one day this world is going to go and this world is not my home, but it's also not their home either. And it's our job to make their home heaven. It's our job to go out to the world, say there is a place for you. Church, who's going to come and wear your purpose with me? Who's going to make their way to this altar and make a commitment? I'm going to wear my purpose. I'm not going to be satisfied and so distracted by what's going on here. 
I got to go out. I got to go to my school. I got to go to my work. I got to go to my family, to my friends, to my neighbors. I have to share the gospel. I am a light. Don't forget your shoes. As for your shoes, wear the gospel everywhere you go. Every step you take, make sure you have your purpose on. That's it. Would you make your way to this altar right now? Would you turn around in your seat, bury your face in your chair and make that commitment? I'm going to wear my purpose. Stop ignoring the train that's going by. Stop putting on every other shoe. Oh, I got things to do. I got my own life. I got bills to pay. Stop worrying about all that and realize that God has called us to be a light. That's it. Would you cry out to God? God, I'm going to wear my purpose. I've been distracted. I haven't been soul mindset. I haven't been out there reaching souls. I haven't been loving people. I haven't really been handing out church cards and saying that there's a place for you. I haven't been going to hope because I want to sleep in. I haven't been going to the nursing home. I haven't been going to the jails. I haven't been talking to that co-worker because I'm scared of what they're going to say. That's it. Ask God for forgiveness and say, God, from now on, I'm going to wear my purpose. Would you make that dedication right now in your heart?